Hey everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to Gold Scars. My name is Bianca Wargo, and I'm really excited you're here to dive deeper with us into life and into God's word and the absolute beauty God creates even in our brokenness. Before we get started, I encourage you guys to follow the podcast, click that little bell so you can get notifications as soon as each episode drops, and it also really helps to get the podcast out there to more people who need to hear the gospel and people who might just need a word of encouragement as well. Reviews are also appreciated, and you can either leave them on the platforms you're listening on, or you can message me on the podcast Instagram, which is at goldscars.podpod. So, without further ado, here we go. As always, before we get started, let's pray. And Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the snow and everything and all these opportunities that we've been given just to live another day and to live your will for another day. Thank you so much for everything that you've done and for the good and the bad. The bad things we know that you use them too for your glory and I pray that we all come to a place where we can fully accept that and find joy in that. Also today, God, I just want to pray that these are not my words in this podcast. They're your words more than anything, and that you speak as you will to whoever is listening. And finally, God, just for everybody listening to this, that they can understand more about you and about your word, that they can grow more and more in their relationship with you every single day. You know, and I pray that for myself as well, that every day is another day closer to you. All this in your name we pray. Amen. So today we're going to be talking about 2 Corinthians 5-7. And I want to talk about what it used to mean to me, like before I came to Christ, because this is a verse that I think I heard it for the first time and really resonated with it with a song by Skillet. And I didn't realize that they were a Christian band at the time. I don't think I even realized it was an actual Bible verse until I actually started reading my Bible. I might have at some point, but like I don't remember referencing it as a Bible verse. I kind of just thought of it as a cool quote that came from a book or something or a song. So 2 Corinthians 5-7, depending on your translation, it might say walk or live. My translation, I use ESV, so it says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And the way I used to interpret this was that not everything is as it seems. To an extent, sure, it's true. We think that God wants one thing for us, but then he actually wants something a lot greater that we don't even know is there, you know, that we don't even see. Or God just has such a greater perspective on the world because he created it. He's already created the whole picture. He's already planned everything he wants for you in your life. But you have other plans. So when life does a curveball and then ends up working out somehow, the world tends to think of that as, oh, not everything's as it seems. The world kind of just works that way. <laughs> works out for our good. See, the world isn't what works for our good. It's God that works for our good. But that's just one of the things that I used to interpret this verse as. The other thing 
I used to use it as a little bit of a mantra before every event at a swim meet. After I first heard it, I thought it was such an important verse to know for me because not because I believed in the Bible at the time, not because I believed in God at the time even. There like this was a point where I didn't think God actively worked in our lives. I didn't think that God mattered at the time. But I still used it. And it still worked. What it meant to me before a swim meet was I'm capable. And it doesn't seem like I am, but I kind of know I am. Or I want to be confident that I am. I have something in me that will push me further and I will break that record. And let me tell you, the times that I did actually start using this verse as a mantra before an, an event, I think I shattered my previous record for the event. You know, 100 back, I think uh, my time before METS, uh, the Metropolitan Conference last year, those championships, I think my time for the season there was a 107. All right, by the time I got to finals, I think I was in the B final. By the time I got to finals, I swam so hard. I could barely walk afterwards. And I got a 102.6, I think it was. I don't know. You can check it on, like, like, you can check it on college swimming. If you just, like, look up my name. The one that says Kane. And I think that, like, God was showing me in that moment just how great he was. Because he knew in the next year... He would move so much in my life. And same with the 200 back. I think my time that season was, oh my god, I don't even remember what it was because it was so bad. But when I got to championships, all of a sudden, you know, my previous all-time best was like a 221, I believe. In prelims, I ended up with a 220. I went into finals... Repeating to myself, I'm going to break a 220 now. I had one of the other coaches, like, right there with me as I was doing that out loud. And we were both like, I'm going to break that 220. He's like, yeah, you are. It was it was honestly, like, one of the funniest moments I think I've had swimming. It was, like, genuinely one of the most uplifting and, you know, as a swimmer, that was one of the most important moments, I think, that I'll ever remember. That's not the point. (laughs) The point is, I still went behind that block after telling myself I'm going to break that 219. And somewhere in the back back of my head, I still had that doubt. And I just repeated this verse a few times. As I was stretching. As I was jumping around behind the block, because that's usually what I do. I know jumping barefoot on a wet pool deck probably isn't a great idea, but I did it anyway, and I never really fell doing it. So, honestly, if I kept doing it, I probably would have fallen on my butt at some point by now. But I'm not swimming anymore. (laughs) The point is, I broke that 220. I think my best time's 219... I want to say 219.4? I can't tell you the exact time. I can 
tell you that it was a 219. Because I used God's word, but I didn't recognize that it was God working and his word working. I didn't recognize that for at least another year. Because those championships were the beginning of March, I think, and yeah, that sounds about right. I think like the end of March last year is when I gave my life to Christ, right? That's when Good Friday was. It was Good Friday service at my church. That's all I remember. (laughs) Actually, no, that's the beginning of April. It's April 2nd. Took me a second to remember that. But my point is, taking it out of context will lead you away. But eventually, if you look at Philippians 3.15, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. I thought otherwise. I thought that this verse was about me. This verse being 2 Corinthians 5.7. I thought it was about me. But every word in the Bible is not about any one particular person except for God. Except for Jesus. Or the Holy Spirit. You know, the three persons, one God. All those words are about them and the story that they create. We just happen to be a part of that story. There's there's some details in there. Like, if you go back to my first episode, I go ahead and check it out if you want to after listening to this one. Or right now, doesn't matter. But I talked about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 3 through 8 and how specifically it spoke to me. Because that was one of the first verses or the first passages out of the Bible that I ever read on my own. And I think I read that and I was, you know, trying not to cry, but there were tears coming down because it spoke to me so deeply. And it brought me both comfort and conviction for the life that I was living, for the way that I reacted to the things that happened to me. So that's the first verse that really clarifies 2 Corinthians 5-7 for me. Now, open to Job chapter 14. Alright, there's the last few verses from 18 to 22 is what I want to mainly focus on. Because I want to talk about what 2 Corinthians 5-7 actually means. So in a biblical context, obviously, there's faith and there's sight that's two very different things. Faith is sight, but sight isn't necessarily faith. Because with faith, you can see so much more about God, and you're open to so much more that he has to say to you and show you and do in your life. But if you just see these things and you don't necessarily believe it in your heart, like, you're just seeing things. I mean, Jesus said to Thomas, like, are those that don't see and yet still believe. He didn't say Thomas wasn't blessed too, but because he still believed, but he had to see it to believe it. And some part of me kind of doesn't blame him because like Jesus rising from the dead after like John literally watched Jesus die. John was the only one of the disciples that was there to see him die. 
But it was everywhere. That news was everywhere that Jesus died. The news was everywhere. Everyone knew it. And yet, he came back. As every one of the other disciples told him, like, Jesus rose from the dead. And he's alive right now. And Thomas was still like, there's no way that's possible. Like, I can't. Like, I need to see it to believe it. And there's no shame in that either. Because Thomas was still... A faithful servant to Jesus. And once he saw, like, there was no going back for Thomas. <laughs> see, once you see God work in your life, there's no going back. But only if you really believe that it was God working. You can see something happen and not believe that it was God and it won't mean anything to you. But you can see the same thing. And if you have faith in him, it might mean everything. It might save your soul. <laughs> so, in Job chapter 14, I think this particular passage is kind of talking about a man living by sight. But the mountain falls and crumbles away. And the rock is removed from its place. The waters wear away the stones. The torrents wash away the soil of the earth. So you destroy the hope of man. Stop right there. Alright, that was verses 18 and 19. All these things are things you can see. You can feel them physically. And experience. You might not see a rock wash away entirely in the river over a lifetime but it'll take several lifetimes but maybe you might see a difference within a lifetime if you're lucky the torrents wash away the soil of the earth we stand on the ground and it can still be washed away right from under us all right you ever go to the beach and you stand in the in the sand like right at the shore where the tide is going in and out. Feet start to sink into the sand. It's possible for the same thing to happen in regular soil too. It's just that it's not right next to the ocean. There's no tide, so it just doesn't happen. Or you think about quicksand even. There's no tide or anything. You just start sinking. <laughs> then you get stuck. Then eventually, before you know it, you're buried. It's a scary thought. You know, and that's why it says, so you destroy the hope of man, because before you know it, you're buried in all this soil and dirt or sand, whatever the case may be. You're buried before you know it. And the next verse goes on to say, you prevail forever against him and he passes. You change his countenance and send him away. And I think that's really interesting is that, you know, taking the context of what the book of Job is about, you know, Job's life and how difficult it was, period of time, really happy life at first. And Job had a really happy life. And then all of a sudden it was taken away from him as a test. Because 
someone said to God, I bet this guy won't stay faithful to you if you take everything good out of his life and give him all this horrible stuff. Said, I won't give him anything bad, but I can take away what he has. So God took away what he had. The enemy gave him so many other obstacles on top of that. And Job still stayed faithful. Because his faith wasn't in any of those things. And that's the thing. His faith was in God. And that's why that's why it says, So you destroy the hope of man and you for, prevail forever against him. Because the guy that's being described in this passage, though it's not necessarily Job, is a person that's putting faith in what they see in what they experience in this world and not in God. These things that can easily be destroyed or taken away right from underneath your feet. Just like all the money Job had, all the success Job had, his own kids, his family, his friends. Job had a very hard life. And eventually, God, like, rewarded his faith and gave him double what he had. Place his kids, but he he did give him more kids. He didn't replace the same money that he had, but he gave him double the amount he used to. In verse 21, it says, His sons come to honor, and he does not know it. They are brought low, and he perceives it not. But Job saw. He saw that his kids weren't there anymore. He saw that his friends didn't put the same kind of faith that he had in God, really. And warning them. And telling them, like, you realize that even if I lost, like, as I'm lo- losing everything, this none of this stuff matters to me. I might not know why God is doing this to me, but I have faith that he's going to do something good in my life. I still believe that God is there. I still believe that God is good. He feels only the pain of his own body, and he mourns only for himself. Job didn't mourn only for himself. He he mourned because he wondered what he did to deserve what was thrown at him. He wondered how he'd hurt God in such a way. That is living by faith. It's living through the trials and not blaming God for them. Asking God to understand, why is this trial in my life? It's not what you see, alright? The circumstance is not where you're putting your faith. I saw an interesting video yesterday of, um, I I don't remember who it was, but someone was preaching at their church and talking about an air freshener hanging off of their um, rearview mirror. And it looked, from the perspective of the driver's seat, it looked bigger than this car that you could see just past it outside. 
because it was far enough away that the car looked smaller. But in reality, we know that the air freshener is smaller, right? The air freshener fits in one car, so it's not going to be bigger than a car. Also, who needs an air freshener that big? Let's, let's be real. But the point is, from the perspective of that driver's seat, why does the air freshener look bigger than the car? Because it's closer. All right, we know that the car is bigger, but it looks smaller because of our perspective. Now, if you got out of the car and you moved a little closer to that car, and then you looked back at the air freshener, the air freshener is obviously going to look smaller. Even if you're like just halfway between the two. But then the closer you start getting to the car, that once looked smaller than that air freshener, the more minuscule the air freshener gets. And because it's not as big as a car, when you're right next to that other car that you saw that looked smaller before, if you stand right next to it, you might not even see the air freshener anymore. So if you're sitting in that driver's seat looking at your air freshener, and then seeing a car that looks smaller than it in the distance, why are you holding your fear and thinking your fear or your hurt or your pain or your trauma or your sins even? The things that you feel guilt or shame for, why are you holding those so close that they look bigger than God is? Think about that for a second. Like, I saw that video, and it struck me so hard, and I was like, this is perfect for what I'm going to talk about, because I'll be honest, I didn't have, like, some super great revelation this week in order to come up with this topic. I was just, like, I was going back through old verses that I used to love, and this was one of them. This was probably the biggest one, was 2 Corinthians 5-7, because it was short, sweet, easy to remember, and I could manipulate it into whatever I wanted by itself. And that was where I made a big mistake. Now, if you go to 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 10, we'll read through that little paragraph there. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, We are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. You know, where I was taking this one verse out of that whole paragraph and applying my life to that verse, I didn't read the context that it was in and apply that whole passage to my life instead of the other way around. 
for we walk by faith, not by sight, doesn't mean that we need to believe in ourselves more. It doesn't mean that, you know, necessarily mean that anything's possible. Is anything possible with God? Yes. But he's only going to do stuff that's within his will, that works with his plan. He has his plan, and it's not going to change. Walking by faith. Picking up your cross. Walking by faith means dying to your flesh. And living for Christ. Many people that actually got to see Jesus in the flesh. Jesus saw that cross and knew what was going on. He saw the cup before him, asked God to take it away from him if it was at all possible. But he still said, if it's your will, let it be done. Because the body that he was in, as scared as he was, as the pain he knew he was going to feel, still was calm enough in the presence of the Father. He still went through all that stress, so much stress that he sweat blood, which is an extremely rare condition. Only a handful of cases ever reported. I forget exactly what it's called. Hemos something. I forget what it's called. But something that people don't know about that condition is that it actually hypersensitizes your nerve endings a lot. And it made the crucifixion that much more painful. A lot of people don't know that about the crucifixion. They can talk about how big those those nails were, how they were bigger than like railroad spikes that they used to, you know, put the the rails in place for a train. Bigger than those nails. They can talk about how the crucifixion you didn't bleed to death. You didn't just die all of a sudden. You actually suffocated to death for hours and hours. And there's a lot of gruesome details about the crucifixion that that aren't really mentioned. And this is one of them that I hear probably the least, to be completely honest with you. Is that Jesus sweat blood. And because of that, his suffering was made that much greater. And at that time... The Romans were pros at torture. <laughs> they probably didn't even realize that sweating blood made it that much worse. But at the same time, God knew that. God knew that Jesus would be stressed out that much. And Jesus knew he would be stressed out that much because Jesus is God. Jesus knew he was going to be okay, but he still had that human fear, that human stress, and he experienced that human phenomenon, blood, of death. You know, he, he died on that cross, that's the thing, and he was, he was afraid of being apart from the Father more than anything. 
think that's why he was so stressed, but he knew that he would come back. He knew that he was strong enough to come back and to defeat death and defeat sin for all of humanity. Walking by faith means that we do even the things that we don't want to do. The things that we don't think we can do. We do it in spite of what the world will tell us. In spite of what we see. In spite of the odds before us. We do these things because God tells us to. And there's no safer place, there's no better place to be than where God wants us to be. It can be scary and it can be hurtful. It can be really, really hard. Believe me. But there is no safer place to be than where God calls you to be. All right, once again, before we go, I just want to remind you guys, go ahead and follow the podcast Instagram. It's at goldscars.pod, P-O-D. And go ahead and hit the little bell button, that bell icon that lets you know when the next episode drops. That way you won't miss a single episode. I'm so excited that you guys were here. And I'm so excited for those of you guys that plan to stay. God has spoken to you in some way through this podcast or even just in general. It doesn't have to be off of this podcast that God speaks to you. He can speak to you in any way. So keep your eyes open. Keep your heart open more than anything because God only is after your heart because he loves you beyond measure. And he has such great things in store for you guys. We just hope that and praying to you for understanding. We just pray that someone will get something out of this somewhere. Thank you so much, God, for this opportunity to be here another week for another episode. Amen. And I'll see you guys next week. Enjoy your week. I love you guys. Jesus loves you too.